Thank you, John, for praying for us all. We come now to the time of our service to hear the preaching of God's Word. Before we begin, let us pray and ask God's blessing on the preaching of His Word. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do turn to you and ask for your blessing on the preaching of your Word. Lord, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And who would hear unless a preacher were sent? unless your word was declared and proclaimed and the salvation of our Lord declared in our ears that we may receive the words of life. Lord, would you use these words to raise the dead, to bring life where there is death, to dispel darkness and bring light, that you would give hope where there is sadness, that you would give joy where there is loss and sorrow, that people all of us together would find our life in Jesus Christ through his word. We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, if you would turn with me now to Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, as we hear God's word read to us this morning. Hear now the reading of the word of the Lord. This is speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This sends the reading of the word of the Lord to us. All scripture begins with this phrase. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It is a description of the ages long ago when God brought everything into existence. It is a summary of the creative act of God. Yet there is one thing important for us to observe. Namely, that God created the heavens and the earth. We have a twofold division of creation. The heavens above and the earth beneath. They are distinct realms that are filled with their hosts. Here we have the Heavens above the abode of angels. It is what we can know as God's Sabbath realm. It is where God takes up his kingly rest, delighting in all that he has made, ruling over all that he has made. As Isaiah chapter 66 verse 1 says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What is the house that you will build for me, and what is the place of my rest. There the angels dwell with God in his throne room, 
praising him for all eternity. The prophet Isaiah tells us that the angels before him called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This is the heavens that are above. And then Genesis 1 tells us that there is the earth beneath. Here is the abode of men. And God has bestowed on his earthly creatures, mankind, the responsibility to exercise dominion and rule over all that he has made. The birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and all the livestock. Everything that is in the earth. Psalm 8 says, you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor, yet you have given him dominion over the works of your hands and have put all things under his feet. This was what Adam and Eve, our first parents, were to do, representing mankind. They were set as kings on this earth. And in these two realms, through these two hosts, the angels above and mankind below on earth, God was to be exalted over all things. The angels above praising God and mankind below developing the world, ruling over it, subduing it, bringing it to its fullest extent and filling it with a host of image image bearers, bringing glory to God. And it's from that place that we come to our text in Colossians chapter 1. To see one who is exalted over them all. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Colossians tells us that there is one who is supreme over all creation the heavens above, and the earth beneath. It is, as verse 13 tells us of Colossians chapter 1, the Son of God, the one who is the image of the invisible God. And unlike mankind who was created in the image of God, this Son of God is himself the image of God. He is the firstborn, which means that he has sovereignty and right over all things. It does not mean that he was born before creation. It is a term of kingship. One who is, has right of sovereign rule over all things underneath him. And he has this precisely because of what Colossians tells us, that by him all things in heaven and on earth were created. He brought them into existence, and as verse 17 tells us, in him all things hold together. And it is not just that all creation, heaven and earth, every throne, dominion, rule, and authority were created by him, but that every throne, rule, dominion, and authority were created for him. The Son of God, the image of the invisible God, ruler of the heavens and earth, is the one to whom all the heavens and earth owe their allegiance. It is to this Son of God who brought all the hosts into existence that every creature under creation, 
in creation must render obedience because he has given to them life and health and everything, even existence itself. But the angels, many angels in heaven above, rejected obedience to God. The obedience they were to render to the Son of God, they rejected and turned away from. As Luke chapter 10 tells us, Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, banished for his seeking to usurp the throne of the Son of God. And then of all the evils committed, Satan sought to bring the host of mankind into rebellion along with him against their creator. And so was born not only a rupture between angels and God and man and God, but between heaven and earth itself. And mankind, through their rebellion of God, under the influence and dominion of Satan, have rejected their creator, the Son of God. Ephesians 2 tells us that the prince of the power of the air, referring to Satan, is now at work in the sons of disobedience. The heavens above cut off from man, their hope that was set out for them, God resting in his Sabbath, showing for mankind their hopeful destiny should they remain obedient. But now mankind's estate is abysmal, hopeless. Mankind left, dead in their sins, cut off from heaven. Heaven and earth severed from one another. And you and I one day will return to the dust where our death would seal us in our sins forever. But God did not leave us in that estate. There is a new beginning. Just as the opening of Genesis 1 says, in the beginning here, the Apostle Paul picks up this same language in verse, 7, verse 18. He, the Son of God, incarnate, even as a baby, is the beginning. A new beginning. The most magnificent and wondrous event in the history of eternity occurs. The very one through whom all things were brought into existence, the one in whom all things hold together, has now entered into creation that is in rebellion against him. Not merely as the sovereign creator of it all, separated from them, but joins himself to the race of mankind. The Son of God became incarnate. He took on human flesh and blood. He became a true human with a body and a soul. And he did this in order that he might begin in himself a new creation. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead. But unlike the first creation that he brought into existence out of nothing... He brings a new creation into existence out of death. And because of this, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is ruler not only of all creation, the heavens above and the earth beneath, 
because he brought it into existence out of nothing. He is now the ruler of the very thing that is the antithesis of God himself, death. And Colossians tells us the purpose of this incarnation. Why the incarnation? Why did Jesus come to this earth? Why did the Son of God come to this earth some 2,000 years ago? It tells us that the purpose is that he might reconcile to himself all things in heaven and on earth. When mankind fell and was brought into rebellion against God through the work of Satan, deceiving them, the whole realm of creation below was brought under the curse and state of sin. Severed from heaven, mankind was. Heaven and earth are now turned against each other. And Satan having been cast from heaven, is now having his way upon this earth, leading mankind as sons of disobedience further and further into their rebellion of God, against God. And it was for this precise purpose that Jesus Christ came into this world and was incarnate 2,000 years ago. Because he was the only one who could restore the breach that had been made. He was the only one who is the perfect image of God to represent truly mankind because it is in his image that mankind was made. Colossians tells us, in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. But what is more important for us this morning is how this reconciliation between heaven and earth was accomplished. See, the purpose of the incarnation was that the Son of God, through his death, might bring to an end the enmity, the warring against heaven and earth. And the way he does this was bringing to an end the record of debt that stood against us. Our record of debt, our record of sins is the evidence that is presented to heaven for why we are barred from it. It is the power that Satan uses, the law, to accuse us. You cannot enter heaven because you do not stand righteous before the law of God. And he's right. And he uses it day and night against us to accuse us that we cannot enter heaven. We are severed and cut off from it. So how did Jesus Christ on this cross, as the Apostle Paul tells us, accomplish this reconciliation? When Jesus Christ went upon that cross, he took that record of debt on himself. And there he suffered the punishment and the consequence of that record of debt. He died. He shed his blood for our sake. 
And that record of death was put to death. It was plunged into the ground and buried forever from the sight of God. And through this, Jesus Christ rendered powerless the hosts of demonic forces and Satan himself, the great accuser, powerless. The very thing that Satan uses to accuse us as unworthy of heaven, Jesus Christ has forever banished. Our list of sins. When Jesus died and rose again, our sins were done away with. As Colossians tells us, he is the one who has made peace by his blood. Colossians chapter 2 says this, God made alive together with God made us alive together with him the Lord Jesus Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Jesus Christ has triumphed over the hosts of those who are in mutiny against him through his death on the cross. It is the open public display that the rupture between heaven and earth has been mended. And now they are being publicly portrayed as humiliated. Satan is openly shamed in the cross of Jesus Christ. They are a defeated army paraded around on the cross because of what Christ has done. But it did not end there. Our Lord Jesus, who was incarnate, died, rose again. He ascended into heaven and now sits upon the throne of God, not simply as the Son of God, but as the Son of God, who is a man, representing his whole race that he is saving. And it is this man who God, through God himself, reigns over his whole creation. Severing, repairing, making peace the severing that had happened. Now the heavenly hosts of angels praise and glorify him. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men, they declared at the birth of our Lord Jesus. And all those who call upon Jesus Christ to be saved from their sins will be brought into heaven because heaven is now at peace with them. The righteous holy realm that no sinner could enter can now enter freely as a gift through Jesus Christ. And it is here in Jesus Christ we see the purpose of the Incarnation to reconcile heaven and earth, to bring back into peace the war that was begun through the entrance of sin on our account. 
So brothers and sisters, for us today, as we remember our Lord Jesus' incarnation, we must remember the meaning and the reason that he came to this earth. It was to restore his creation, to renew it and to bring it into a new state, a new creation where we would never die, where we would never be subject to sin and death, never face the pains of hell that Christ gives to us freely as a gift. So if you are here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, I call you to believe in him as your savior from sin, to turn from your unrighteousness and find your hope and life in Jesus Christ alone. And if you are here today as a Christian who trusts in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, remember the Son of God who has made peace between God our Father, and you, his child. That you are at peace with the God of heaven because of what he has done in Jesus. And rest in that hope that you have in our Lord Jesus, who has restored and reconciled heaven and earth. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we do pray that you would impress the gloriousness of this truth upon our hearts, that the Son of God incarnate has reconciled heaven and earth in himself and now reigns supreme over all things. Lord, let us live in light of this with hope and expectation of the gift of heaven that we will receive when you come again, Lord Jesus Christ. Give us hope today, give us peace, and give us joy as we know that we are reconciled to the God of heaven. We ask this in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen.